What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Bright with Elise podcast. I am so glad you're here today. We got a lot of good stuff going on. We're actually finishing a two-part series, uh, episodes, two-part episode series about politics and how to engage that conversation. And I got the opportunity to sit down with Alexandra Gaskins. She is amazing. Um, and, and just talk through, hey, what does it look like to engage as well? It's difficult. It's obviously hard. We all know everybody's divided on this. So how can we maybe think about it differently? So I'm super excited to finish that conversation today. Just as a reminder, the last episode, we left off on what what the deal is, how we maybe went wrong. And we had just started talking about how to protect our minds as believers. Like how do you engage your mind with this or even protect it um, as a believer. So we're going to pick it up right where we left off. And I hope you enjoy the rest of my conversation with Alexandra Gaskins. I want to move towards a little bit more of like a resolution, um, in reconciling where we are now with scripture and how to call people higher, hold people accountable, engage in it. Well, um, I think there's a lot here and we'll just probably barely touch the surface. Um, But how to like engage with this in a way that honors God. And obviously you and I are still mega growing. Yes. (laughs) And in our own like process of being sanctified here and changed and challenged. But in your opinion, like where do we start with that? Where do we start with engaging this well and better than we are now? It's so hard. And just to echo what you just said, I am by no means claiming to have figured it out because I have done it wrong so many times and have been convicted and have had to apologize. Um, but I think, I mean, one, like we shared at the very beginning, just remembering the work of the gospel in our own life, you know, that we yeah. are sinners saved by grace and that that in and of itself gives us a humility um, mm-hmm. to know that, that we have blind spots, um, to know that we are not coming to these issues and these conversations um, probably with 100% pure motives that we have to, like you said, Um, take captive our thoughts, um, to question our desires and our motives. Um, I think it's really hard, Elise, because, you know, I I sit in these Be the Bridge meetings and the white women in our group have asked the women of color, what can we do? You know, because in a lot of ways, when it comes to race and racism, I know that's just one issue and dozens of important issues, but when it comes to race and racism, what can we do? How can we come alongside you? And what I have heard over and over again from the women of color in my group is use your voice, say something, you know? And so I want to do that. I want to, I want to be vocal and yet it takes so much wisdom to know how to do it well. And, you know, I just was thinking about, First Corinthians, First Corinthians 13, like what is love? Like if we are to not only love those within the body of Christ, but our enemies, like we're called to love our enemies. Like, well, what does that look like? You know, yeah. like, well, love is patient. It's kind. It's not boastful. It's not it's rude. Gentle. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you just go through the list and it's like, man, I'm falling short, you know, but it's Dang. like a really That's good, good like a really good checklist of, okay, like when I'm just spouting off at this person on Facebook or, you know, engaging in a conversation with a coworker or someone at church or, you know, wherever it might be, like, 
baseline, am I loving them in a biblical way? Like, am I being kind and gentle and mm-hmm. not prideful and, um, you know, believing the best in them and, yeah. you know, like all those kind of basic premises of what biblical love looks like that I think, you know, just a cursory look at those and we're like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm falling short. One other thing even in that is I think it's easy to, it's easy to look like you're loving someone on the outside, but on the inside, our minds are so not full of love towards somebody else. And that's where I find myself getting really caught is I will judge the heck out of somebody <laughs> in my mind and maybe I never vocalize it, but that's also the sin happening in me. So in this love chapter that God gives us in scripture, like how can I be patient with somebody in my mind even before I ever engage with them? Because it will impact how I talk to them. You yeah, know? You know, I was listening to your podcast with Maddie and um, what, part of what you guys were talking about was something that I was kind of chewing on as I was thinking about our conversation is just this Imago Day principle. And I think mm-hmm. it's really easy to wave the Imago Day flag when it's the unborn child or it's someone who agrees with you or whatever, you know, but like recognizing the Imago Day and the person you disagree with or who's your oh, quote unquote enemy, like they yeah. deserve the same amount of respect and dignity and love because they are made in the image of God, you know? And so I think like just calling ourselves that standard to to love people, whether they agree with us or they don't agree with us simply because they're made in God's image. Um, and they deserve mm-hmm. a certain level of, of respect because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So, okay. This thought just popped in my head. So like when people, people in, in my mind, they just spout off like the, almost like jokes about politics, <laughs> you know, it's like, and that very clearly shows their side where they're standing and I, it seems like there's this expectation of like, hey, agree with me in a joking way. Like they'll be like, well, blah, blah, blah. Haha, obviously this person's better than this person. And those are the areas that I find myself the, the most uncomfortable because it's, I'm like, I disagree, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it, it's presented as a joke. And then I'm like, do I joke back? Do I engage? Like, what do you do in those situations? And this is where I find so much contradiction because I feel like, I mean, I totally agree. I feel like on one hand, if you're a liberal, you can make underhanded comments and inappropriate jokes about conservatives and it's just funny and lighthearted, um, but deeply offensive to people on the right. And then if you're on the right, you can joke around and make inappropriate comments and innuendos and suggestions about people on the left and it's funny and lighthearted and no big deal. And it, I mean, again, it's just this contradiction that just drives me crazy. Like, either we're called to love and to to be, you know, kind and respectful, or we're not, regardless of yeah. what party you're on. And I remember, I think this is something that I have I've been able to name. I think I get really worked up when I see it on the right because I feel like the right has state claim to the evangelical label. And so I feel like there's almost a higher standard. Like if you are going to say the right represents the Christian, Christian community, yeah, yeah. then like hold yourself to a really high standard with how you engage in it. And so when I see people from 
you know, my current church or my old church or people that I just, I know are people of Christian faith and they're, mm-hmm. they are posting really inappropriate and offensive content about an image bearer of God, whether you agree with them or not. It's so inappropriate. And so I, I, <laughs> I have, I have called out people. I mean, and I try to do it in a tactful way, but um, I don't always, I fall short a lot. Um, but I just feel like there, like there should be someone who is calling it out and who right. is saying like, we should be doing better as pe- as people who are representing Christ. Like it is, this is not appropriate. There's no place for this. You yeah. Know? It's so sticky and hard. And I think like there's such an, this is where there's a gap of people where we ha- like, we have to say something. And if like, not even about the, the policy or the specific content of the thing that this person might be saying, it's about, Hey, let's remember this is a human, like an image bear. Um, I don't appreciate that. I, I let's change the way we're speaking about this person. Um, that's difficult. That's very hard. And I think, but I think it's literally required of us. And Luke six talks about love your enemies. We talked about this. Like, what does that mean on Facebook? People? Yeah, so like, I'll give you an example. Um, and again, like th- this, it goes both ways. I, I mean, literally I, I see it on both sides all the time, but when Biden and Harris were, you know, it was shown that they were going to be the democratic candidates for president and vice president. I saw this meme on Facebook where basically Biden was um, like a cowboy and Harris was like his quote unquote hoe. Mm-hmm. And she was dressed in a really provocative outfit, like sitting kind of below him. And it was so derogatory on so many yeah. levels. And I was just like, and, and so a Christian friend of mine, um, I don't think he posted it, but someone posted it in the comment section and they just got a bunch of laughs and like no issue with it. And so I popped in, like, I don't know this guy at all. And maybe that's not yeah. helpful. Maybe it's not healthy. Maybe it's not helpful, healthy, helpful, whatever. But I was just like, dude, like, what if that was your mother? Like, what if that's your sister? Like, there's just mm-hmm. like disagree with their policies, but don't dehumanize them. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like. I just feel like we are called higher. And like, again, just the witness of Christ and his church. Like, what does that say to unbelieving folks when that's the kind of banter that Christians are having about people they disagree with politically? Like, I just find that so disheartening. You also think about like the effectiveness of Jesus's ministry. Like Jesus's life and his ministry was so honoring to other people, no matter who he interacted with. I mean, all the people he interacted with disagreed with him on some level. Like there was some type of, not all the people, but a lot of the people he interacted with did not agree with him, did not like him, did not want him to be there or were like a completely different culture or whatever than him. And the way he chose to engage him, like he called them out in truth, in love, but he did not slander them. He's treated them with honor, with dignity, with respect. And that's, I think that that is the example that God has given us, like Jesus himself, like the one who has every single right to be name calling and whatever, like chooses the posture of servanthood and like the first Corinthians 13 chapter. And we get to do that as well. And maybe it's difficult, but we have to, like, I really think we have to. Um, Another thing I want to just 
like as we think about more practical ways to engage with this and something I've thought a lot about is thinking really critically about some of this stuff. Um, this kind of goes back to the group thing, but what's kind of brought this in my mind recently is, and this is just an example, but is the, the buzzwords, I like to call them buzzwords. I don't think anybody else calls them that. Maybe they do. But the buzzwords that I hear in our generation today, um, especially with like the cycle of politics, whatever is happening currently. Um, and so there's these words that just like hit people and it basically erases any concept of critical thinking and it just puts this assumption on the word. So like racism or critical race theory which are great words to dig into and see what they mean and see how they're impacting our um, society and our economics and our people. Um, But these words get slapped on memes and Instagram stories and posts and Fox and CNN. And they just like make this problem so much worse. Like they snowball it into just a larger thing. And we, I've, I've realized that there's few people that are willing to say, okay, hold on. No, that's not actually what this means. Let's come back to this. This is real. This is reality in this situation with this, you know, there's so like people just misuse those words. And I think it creates so much more, um, dissension than is necessary. And I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's been such a huge learning lesson for me of like, the buzzwords, like how do I engage with those words and help people know, here's what I mean, you know? So I don't know what your thoughts are are about that. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's always those buzzwords that give, whether it's people on the right or the left, they give them an easy out to dismiss entire important issues. So like when I was in the trenches of community ministry, the social gospel was the big, the big thing, you know, yeah. like we can't be involved in the social gospel. Um, and you know, I was, I was kind of like, okay, well, what does that mean practically? And so for someone like me, who I feel like God has given the gift of mercy, that's really hard to navigate. Like, okay, yeah. well, when am I stepping over the line of just trying to love and serve my neighbors and like share Christ in word and in deed to like, Oh, I'm in the social gospel ter- territory, mm-hmm. you know? And I felt like it was unfair in the sense of like, if someone had the gift of evangelism, I've never heard someone say, Oh, you're like, you're talking too much about the gospel, but you're not living it out with your words, you know? And it's like, but for some reason, when someone has the gift of mercy or um, mm-hmm. like has a heart for the poor, I feel like maybe this was unfair, but I felt like there was a heightened level of criticism for, um, like for serving and for ministry. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't coupled with whatever the threshold was for, um, evangelism and, and hear me loud and clear. Like I want people to know their verbal message of the gospel, that Jesus died for their sins, that we have life in him. Like that, that is critical. Like, but you just think about passages in James where it talks about our faith is literally dead if it's not accompanied by deeds, Yeah, you know, and like we can say the right things to a person, but if we don't follow it up with actions, then it's meaningless, you know? And so I like I felt that when I was in the throes of community ministry with the buzzword being social gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, like you said, I feel like kind of in every season of the political arena, there are these buzzwords that I feel like surface as a scapegoat to dismiss really important yes. issues. And yes. I, 
you know, I don't want to just say they're frivolous and they're unimportant because they're not, but okay. I've, I've been in community ministry and like racial reconciliation for years and years and years and years. I, I have never heard critical race theory apart from the past year or two. Like it's, it yeah. has not been in my vernacular. It has not been in the books I have read. It has not been in the sermons I have heard, the podcasts I've listened to. Like it's a non-issue for me. And I'm not saying that like the tenets of critical race theory are not important because they, I, I think they are personally, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's an easy catchphrase. It's an easy, you know, a couple of words to slap on a position oh, yeah. to just quickly dismiss it without really yeah. giving it any, any, tr- any really critical thought, like you were saying, you know? And so like going back to this idea of, of just, ideological contradictions, you know? So for instance, my best friend in Greenville, she's from Texas and she sent me an article where the governor of Texas is, is essentially wanting to strip the study of like MLK's I have a dream and KKK and like all of these kind of pivotal pieces of our history from what's required of being taught to students in Texas. And so on one hand, you have that kind of um, positioning happening. And then you have those same people who say, don't mess with our history. Don't tear down our monuments, you know? And so it's like, well, which is it? Like, do we want to remember our history and honor it? Like, or like, is it important or is it not? You know? And yeah. so again, it's on both sides. It's not a Republican issue or Democrat issue, but it's like, let's have integrity in what we're, That's good. what we're believing, you know? Like, yeah. Either our history is important to to understand and to recognize and to learn from, or it's not, you know? And, like, uh, that's that's a whole other tangent, but... Yeah. It, I, like, I like the thought of integrity. Um, and I think integrity, at, operating with integrity is almost always harder than not. And I think these buzzwords and, like, a lack of critical thinking is way easier Obviously, that's why we just repost something. I'm guilty of it. Not really thinking about how it's impacting somebody or what it's actually communicating or what's actually true about this. Um, it's way harder to dig into those things. But I think I know it's required of us as believers, especially because it impacts so many people around us. Um, and I think that's like that's a reality for us is like we are required to dig a little deeper and think a little bit harder about some of these things in order to love well. Like I really, I really believe that. I, I just don't understand the notion of, um, this idea that you can't both love your country and want a better version of your country or to believe like Mm. we haven't reached the most perfect union, like that we are a work in progress, you know? And I feel like if there's any kind of critical thought or critique or, um, you know, Mm. analysis of our history and its implications, it's, it's automatically like, well, you don't love our country and you're a liberal and it's like, no, like I, I love our country. Like I am grateful to be an American. I'm proud to be an American. Um, at the same time, I want to take an honest look at our history and to see mm-hmm. how that history has affected where we are today and how we can learn from that and grow from that. It doesn't make me un-American or, or not grateful to live in this country. It just makes me want to be in this process of perfecting our union, you know, right. of, right. 
Um, and I just and we don't I ever feel that. arrive. Yeah, no. like we don't ever get there. We just we just keep we just keep changing things, like little tweaks, and yeah. So we talked about thinking critically, thinking well. We've talked about um, taking our thoughts captive. What else do you see as like a biblical? response to engaging with politics well um I I mean like we've already said I think just measuring the degree of what voices are coming in our head um and I think for most of us if we're honest if we're on social media it's really hard to at least for me to to limit my time um and to set parameters on that um and so yeah so like if if the leading voices in my head um, that are affecting my heart are people's opinions on Facebook over scripture, like that's, that's not good, you know? Um, So I think like finding ways to be intentional on letting scripture guide us. And so whether that is, you know, so like for me, you know, I have these pockets of time where like, you know, the boys are in rest time or I'm making a meal or whatever, where it's easy to either turn the TV on or Mm -hmm. to kind of like casually stroll as I'm working. Like, well, why don't I listen to a podcast with someone who I respect as a Christian leader and voice, you know, on these issues, or even like, even not someone who's who's speaking to politics, someone who's just you know, talking about scripture, the Bible, yeah. you know, like yeah. how am I feeding myself, um, with the voice of God and not the voice of others. And so I think just being intentional on what our eyes are taking in. Um, mm. when I was in college, my college minister described worship or defined worship as what we set our, um, minds, attention and our hearts affection to. And I think like when, when I just break those apart and I think about what gets my mind's attention, like it's convicting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like it's really convicting. Um, and Mm -hmm. the two, you know, our mind and our heart are not isolated. They they go hand in hand. And so it's important, you know, like what, like what is capturing my mind's attention and my heart's affection? Like, is it cable news? Um, is it like how my political leader is doing? Is it issues of race, like, and again, these are not insignificant issues, but if those issues are at the forefront of my mind at all times above the Lord and his word and his work, like, then I have an issue. I have a problem. And it makes sense that I'm feeling anxious and angry and distracted, you know? So (laughs) yeah, which which aren't your normal. Yeah. I think, um, one of the things that has shaped me a lot, just as along with this thought of letting scripture actually guide our thinking is reading it with fresh eyes, like if you can. Um, I remember when I, I don't remember even when this happened, but there was like a shift in the way that I read scripture. And it was like, it became a very pure way that I engaged with God's word. And I just started like understanding, I started seeing Jesus differently because of how I was reading scripture. And it started really shaping my thoughts and my opinions. Because I think I just read it through like my lens of where I was in life or even how I grew up, which is, you know, great and super foundational. Um, but I had never really like read it for its pure version. And there is so much shaping that it will do (laughs) if you let it. And I think that 
like, if we actually get into scripture, it guides our thoughts on this stuff. Like it really does. Yeah. But we have to be willing, like we have to be literally submissive. And one thing that I kept having to go back through in this last election specifically, which was very heavy for me. Like this was a very, very heavy election. Um, I was like anxious about it for probably a month, like prayerful, talking to other people. But one of the biggest things was submitting almost every single thought, discussion, heated discussion (laughs) to the Holy Spirit and letting him pierce my heart, guide my thoughts, engage with me, to actually produce a thought that was more of him than if it had been just myself. And I think we, we have to submit that way more than we realize. Um, and that word is like, I don't want to do that, but it's so freeing when we get to submit that to the Holy spirit. Cause he is f- so faithful to like deliver every single time, um, in a way that looks more like, more like him. And yeah. So that's like a, a powerful part of like reading scripture with new eyes and, getting into studying the word is just like literally amazing. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts there before we go into like even more practical ways to engage people? Yeah. I, you know, I mentioned a blog that was really significant to me earlier from a friend, Tommy Brown, who had a conversation with his pastor. And the second part of that blog talked about, um, it talked about when God, um, when he pushed Adam and Eve out of the garden, he ended up giving, this is kind of Jewish traditional thought, um, but he, God gave each person their own little garden, so to speak, to tend. Um, he didn't give them large swaths of land. He gave them a little mini garden to tend and to be faithful and to cultivate. Mm. And as I was reading that blog, I was so, so convicted that I had, um, I had taken on this responsibility to tend the garden of so many other people and to look into the garden of people so far away from me. And so like, this is where social media came in, where I was like, why do I care about the vacation of X, Y, and Z person? You know, like, do I need to know that? Like that's taking up space in my brain that could be going somewhere else. And he was talking, this rabbi was talking about how in Jewish tradition, they have prayers that they are supposed to say throughout the day. And um, if you add up all the prayers that God has given them to say morning, afternoon, night, whatever, during meals, it's about a hundred prayers out the day. And, wow. and the rabbi was saying, the point is not that we legalistically say these prayers every, you know, so often it's that our consciousness is peppered wow. with, with God ultimately, okay. you know what I'm saying? And it's like, as you go throughout your day, whether it's when you wake up or when it's ha- you're having your breakfast and you're thanking God for this food or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I don't even know what these hundred, hundred prayers are, but the idea is that our consciousness is focused primarily on God and that there's a rhythm to their day. Um, that's not focused on social media or Kylie Kardashian or Ken, whatever Jenner, whatever her name is. Um, You know what I mean? And I I just think I was just so convicted by that thought of like my lens was way too broad, you know, and there's, there's a, there's a biblical case for 
you know, for having a broad lens in the sense of like King Rotley Nations and, you know, like there, there's a place for that. But I feel like in terms of our day-to-day living, I just felt, I was so convicted that my, um, I had taken ownership for gardens that were not my own and yeah. that I was irresponsible, honestly, with, with the garden that God had given me, with my family, with my boys, um, with my church community, with my literal community that I was so focused and anxious and, you know, almost consumed by what was going on on a state level or nationally that I had just lost focus of being faithful in my little plot, you know, (laughs) and that was, that was a game changer too, you know, and all that kind of happened around the same time that I read this blog, that I started really assessing the news, social media. Um, and it was, I mean, I still don't do it perfectly, but it was so liberating for me. Um, and, um, yeah. So I would say, um, I would say like narrow your lens, you know, like don't feel yep. like you have to be caught up with every celebrity and even like Christian people, like every Christian theologian and pastor and <laughs> Christian influencer. Like, yeah. You know, like let it go. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like, again, keeping up with those people takes energy. Yeah. I also think that, um, it's, like the question we need to be asking is what is my garden? Like what is my garden and what does it look like to tend it well? You know, and I think that God will be so faithful to give us wisdom in that. He already has through his word, but like as we engage people politically or not in our garden, we will have opportunity to love them, enemy or not. Like we will have the opportunity to love them. I love that picture of like narrowing the lens. You know, I try to tend people's gardens that are like fourth people removed from me. Yeah, you've never met. And I'm like, why? Yeah, Literally, why? (laughs) Like someone else can handle that. That's someone else's garden. I'm going to work on mine. And like, I already, I have my own weeds to, to dig. Um, And so I, I absolutely love that. I love that. Um, Okay, I would love to, any final thoughts as we wrap up? And then I'm gonna share a couple resources that I have. Um, But yeah, any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up our conversation? Anything that you wanna tie it up with? I I mean, I just would echo a lot of what you just said in terms of um, priority of scripture, um, objective, critical thinking. I'm just looking at what I wrote down, which pretty much mirrors what you just said. Um, just being prayerful, like, and part of this goes to your, you know, kind of your consciousness. I was just referencing, like to talk to God about it, to, as you're taking your thoughts captive to, um, to pray, to ask God Mm -hmm. to guide you, to give you wisdom. Because again, these issues are not insignificant. They Mm -hmm. are worth caring about. They're, they're worth engaging in and they're worth, um, centering a vote on, but I just think, um, just making informed decisions. And Mm -hmm. like we talked about earlier, letting voices in that, that aren't just an echo chamber of what you have always heard and believed. So like, for instance, people of color, you know, people who are, deeply committed to the Christian faith Mm -hmm. and who are not white men. And that's nothing against white men, but you know, a a woman of color may have a different perspective because of her lived experience than a white man. And 
I mean, I listen to plenty of white men. I love Tim Keller. And right. I mean, there's, you know, there's dozens of white men that I love and respect and listen to and I'm influenced by. Um, I say that in tandem to being intentional in finding voices that um, are, are people of color and people yeah. who have a different perspective and share our faith. You know, these are not... Um, <laughs> Atheists, you know, these are not mm-hmm. people who are on the completely opposite political spectrum as as me. Um, they share my faith. They they are close to me politically, and yet they have a different perspective because of their lived experience. So, like, for instance, I mentioned Be the Bridge. Um, Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be the Bridge, and she has a podcast. She wrote a book, you know. So what would it look like to say... I am going to invest time instead of listening to X, Y, or Z um, or cable news or talk radio or whatever it is. I'm going to invest that time mm-hmm. in listening to Latasha Morrison or whoever it is. There, I mean, there's, you know, there's dozens of really wise, influential people of color who are speaking into these issues. Um, so that would be, you know, that would be a huge yeah, um, just encouragement of what yeah. to do. And I would share, um, just bouncing off of that is there's like, there's a lot of ways that we can get in, get involved in these middle of the road opportunities that engage with people and are grace, mercy, truth, all in one. They they exist and they need people. Um, and so like, I'm thinking of this ministry that meets women who are pregnant or have had an abortion and they just like walk with them through high school, college. And it's like a very honoring ministry that honors this woman and their child. If they have this baby, um, you know, obviously hoping for a sanctity of life, but, um, meeting the woman wherever she, she is. And I think like those ministries are so powerful because they, they marry this, like all of this together. And so if there's ways you can get involved in that, that's where it is. And it's, it's a sacrifice of time. It's a obedience posture of, okay, what do I need to let into my mind? Um, what do I need to not let into my mind? So I have room, like you're saying, um, and there's, there's so many other things. So yeah, just challenge yourself. What's your garden and how are you tending it? Um, and what do you need to do to tend it well? Um, is I just think a, a great way to wrap it up. So a couple, um, resources and Alex, I don't know if you have any, so don't feel pressure to share, but one of the best resources that I have had in probably the last two years is a ministry called the and campaign. And I think they're in Atlanta, but their whole thing is um, compassion and justice or like grace and truth. It's this, this duo. And they have ministries like coming from that larger ministry. Like they have the and they're whole people of color. It's led by yes. people of color. Yes. Led by people of color. They're incredible. Um, and they have this ministry called the whole life project, which I love. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but they do, they did this whole docu series on, or not a docu series, but like a video series on um, the sanctity of life within the womb, without of the womb, how that actually plays out through a whole life of a woman and a child. And I, I'd never heard anything like that before. And I was like, this is it right here. Um, I, a couple news sources on Instagram that I think are 
relatively unbiased would be Sharon says so. She has a great, like, just sharing about how the government works, um, smarter news, like S-M-A-R-T-H-E-R um, is a good option as well. The pour over is like an email subscription that I enjoy getting in my inbox. If you want to have like some unbiased news um, or at least closer to the middle. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you have any resources, you can share them, but if not, we can wrap it up. Yeah, you you mentioned some that were at the top of my list. Um, I just actually emailed this to you today, but yeah. um, the dispatch, I, I, I'm not super familiar with it, but when I read their mission, it was essentially to provide unbiased news that was moderate or to the right, you know, which mm-hmm. is where I find myself, which is yeah. encouraging. One of my um, friends um, recommended that to me. So um, that's kind of cool that you sent that to me today. Yeah. And an organization that has been really helpful in shaping my thoughts on a lot of issues that we've talked about is the Christian Community Development Association, the CCDA, led by um, John Perkins, who's written a number of really good books about racial reconciliation and community development. But that organization as a whole, I feel like puts out some good content on how to um, engage in issues of community ministry, of race, um, politics to some degree, but that's just been a helpful organization as a whole to, for me to follow and and keep up with. Um, but all the ones that you mentioned, I would, I would echo. Yeah. Yeah. So check them out. I really like them. Um, I've definitely minimized the, the amount of information I have coming in from stuff like that, but there's some solid resources and Alex, thanks so much for your time. I think this is awesome. Definitely a harder conversation, (laughs) but one that's very necessary. And I'm excited to hear just kind of how it lands. And um, I'm just praying that it is a message that some people needed to hear. So thanks for your time. And um, to my listeners, my faithful listeners, uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode.